Who's excited about this new theme? Elephant in the room. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I just want to start by saying for you who missed this morning, you missed Pastor Carolina launch this theme. And this theme is an incredible theme because it's speaking into not only just hot topics, but cultural taboos that a lot of people probably aren't really talking a lot about. But I love that we're a part of a church that's not afraid to open the conversation about some really needed topics because we're a church that's willing to tackle some tricky things because we care about people. We care about humanity. We believe in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And so the reason we as a church are doing this theme across our locations, Australia, New Zealand, the reason we're doing this is because we want to be equipped, right, with what God is doing right here and now, even in those tricky things, because who knows that the ministry is not just the four walls. Our ministry begins tomorrow, church, when we're in the work place when we're having conversations with our neighbor who are bringing up all these topics what a sad day to be the church and not talk about the things that the rest of humanity is dealing with but we want to be equipped tonight with tools amen and also not just talking um, hot topics for the sake of it but we want godly kingdom perspective about these very issues that are taking place and so tonight as pastor carolina uh, briefly mentioned i um, contacted her a few days ago saying is this preach title too taboo like is this i don't want to be too you know but um Thank you, she gave me the grace and the permission to um, come up with a name, which was pretty exciting. But I'm going to speak tonight about relationships, okay? And um, out of the many things we could talk about, um, and I've heard, actually, can I encourage you, I've heard the, the um, preaching platform team's list of topics that are being raised over the next seven weeks. Can I encourage you, don't miss a Sunday over the next seven weeks. Like the amount of it, topics that are being addressed, um, why do bad things happen to good people, uh, sexuality, purity, um, God in politics, um, mental health, like so many topics that you would think are taboo, yeah, get ready, strap yourself in the next seven weeks, they're going to be like back to back of these amazing topics and what the Lord can do through these things. But tonight, my, uh, my contribution to this amazing theme and to us as an amazing church is, um, for those taking notes, the title of my message is To Jab or Not To Jab, Preventing Relational Rehab. So we're going to have a bit of fun tonight. Is that okay? Because I thought if it's relationships, you can't not have a bit of a cheeky title. Now, there's a lot of things going on. Let's call the elephant out in the room right now called COVID, called lockdowns, called vaccine passports, called um, travel restrictions, called mask wearing. And, you know, statistics would even tell us, even in this very room tonight, that some of us are actually quite divided on our beliefs or views on different things. And I'm not here tonight to share my personal views. If I was to do that, I would go all night long. So we won't do that, right? I know some of you here have got like the popcorn out, like, please go for it. I just can't wait to see a pastor lose the plot up there on his own personal views without opening up the Bible. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. Um, and I know some of you here hate conflict. So you're like, please, I actually came to church for a bit of peace to avoid the rest of the world that's in continual conflict and um and views that are quite yeah diverse but i'm here tonight more to speak about relationships but in regards to what is going on in our society right now because i know that the enemy will use anything if he can use COVID, he'll use it if he can use a broken household he'll use that if he can bring even food into the matter of what's actually good for your body what's not he'll use anything he can to bring division Right, that's the, that's the nature of Satan, unfortunately. So if it comes down to vaccines, it's like, great, if that's what's the topic going at the moment, I'll use that if I can to divide the church. If it's anything at all, he wants to bring division. In fact, tonight we're going to open up the Word of God because we know that's the best thing to do for our lives. And it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. So... 
Yes, there's a, there's a natural thing taking place. Yes, we're in a pandemic. Yes, it's horrific in terms of economy, people's health, people's mental health. Like there's a lot of things going on right now. But I just want to start with this. If we're talking about relationships, a lot of what we do, a lot of it is actually dealt with in the spiritual realm. This war is not a natural war. So when I'm in, um, in a relationship with someone, I just want to give you some real practical tips tonight from the Word of God that I pray um, equips you, encourages you, if you're weak ahead, a lot of the time, you know when you're dealing with someone, but for some reason they're responding really bizarrely or they're a bit aggressive, can I just encourage you, just, just choose grace, because often what they're dealing with is something not even related to you and I. It could be something so spiritual even that you have no understanding. You're thinking, why am I getting a bit of attention here? I thought we were friends, but hang on a sec, you're getting a bit aggressive at me. What's going on here? Yeah, can I just encourage you? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We need to remember this as the church, but we wrestle against principalities and powers. And so in our relationships, my first point I want to encourage us with is Satan's desire is to divide us. Now, this message is not going to be doom and gloom in case you're like, oh, I thought this was going to be a bit fun. Relationships is fun, and now he's starting with hell and Hades. But um, we're going to talk through John chapter 10, Jesus speaking. A lot of us know this passage. It's an amazing passage. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, however, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Aren't you glad that we serve a good God who desires nothing but abundant life for you and I? Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not open. Um, own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, that's Satan, comes and abandons his sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters. What does the enemy do, church? He attacks the flock so that it may scatter. I, I want to encourage us tonight. I hope this doesn't sound too, this is a bit of a rough start, right? But I'm just going to come straight to the point because it's elephant in the room. The enemy's desire is to divide us as a church. His desire is literally to rob, steal, kill, destroy us, right? But the Lord's desire is that we would be a unified body, that even in our difference of opinions or viewpoints or perspectives on things, that we would actually choose unity. Unity is actually a choice. And in fact, we're going to read Psalms 133 as well tonight, where it talks about where God commands a blessing, where there is unity. But the enemy's desire is actually to disarm us and to break us down. I want to encourage you tonight, can you cultivate unity and step into a blessed relationship? My question I pose to you tonight is not what is your view on vaccine or getting the jab or COVID. My, my question to you is, does your relationships right now in this crisis represent the kingdom of God? And I know it's hard to do when society's gone a bit crazy. Like, can I tell you a quick funny story? My wife and I just literally three days ago, we're in the valley. We're just parking our car across the road just to go to a shop. I literally had my mask in my pocket. We walked about six meters. As I'm getting my mask out, this... Um, beautiful man in a ute with a beautiful lot of words and language that I won't say just starts cursing at me saying where's your beep, 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 mask and I've literally just got out of my car and I'm like I'm actually not an anti-mask I'm actually about to put it on but for someone that we've never met this is very aggressive and my wife she's pretty lighthearted she's like lol um, that man hates you and I'm like I'm gonna put it on but like we're in crazy times like if you were to ask me would that happen 10 years ago with a complete stranger me five steps out of my car to get verbal abuse like we're in quite unique times but this is actually the perfect can I encourage you this is the perfect time for the church to be a city on a hill this is the perfect time for us to be light in darkness now's the time for the church to rise not to be um 
yeah, downplayed by the, the circumstances of society, but actually we've been called to be the head, not the tower. We've been called to lead the culture, not be defined by it. And so Psalms 133, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We're just going to pause for a moment. You know the word behold, it actually means to stand and pause and be in wonder of. It actually means to mark attention. So anytime you and I read the word behold, you know what you're about to read after, that's pretty important. So it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. We'll just pause there for a moment because this is actually a reference to Leviticus chapter 8 verse 12 where Moses actually was anointing Aaron and his sons with oil. What would happen in ancient Middle East culture is that when someone came into your home, if you were actually to be extremely generous, um, for us we'd probably say putting out a really good Andy Pato uh, was it any pasto platter or being like very hospitable if you would uh, if someone was to come to your home in those times uh, you'd actually put like oil fragrance onto the head the reason to do that was one as a sign of refreshment for the person coming in as your guest into your household but two because of the scent and the fragrance it would set an atmosphere for the entire household to have an enjoyable night so what, when you understand the context of what's being read here, we'll read it again. It's like the precious oil upon the head running now down the beard. So for example, we usually just see a few drops and this is not quite cheap. It's actually quite expensive in ancient um, culture. So now all of a sudden, if, if unity is actually saying it's not just a few drops, it's now dripping down the beard of Aaron from Leviticus chapter eight. Now it's actually going onto his garments. It's basically saying it's a significant blessing. It's actually something of great magnitude. This oil is not a few trickles. It's actually now pouring over Aaron. It says in verse 3, it's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now, we, we know Mountain Hermon was a mountain very vast, uh, 900,000, 10 feet above sea level, and it was ice snow-capped. And so what it's saying here is, it's saying when unity is actually of real magnitude, it's like the dew of Hermon descending the mountains of Zion, Therefore, the Lord has commanded a blessing, life forevermore. What actually happened in this snow-capped land, it would actually rejuvenate and bring um, vitality to really dry, desolate lands around them. And we know Mount Zion is the place of God. And so all of a sudden, you have this very desolate land. The, the Jew of Hermon is actually an actual, it's not just a nice metaphor. Or some people say, Who's, who is Hermon? No, no, um, friend, Hermon is a mountain. And so what's being said is basically unity is extravagant blessing, not just a little bit of blessing. It's, it's important. So I actually believe this scripture is one of the most underutilized scriptures in the faith. Because here is a promise for us that it says if you could actually choose unity, you're going to receive extravagant blessing. If the body of Christ could choose to be unified, like the young adult gathering coming up, gathering not just our church, but churches of the faith, different expressions, different flavors, but coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ, you watch and see an abundant blessing on that night because of the unity that's chosen of the heart. That's actually a promise for you and I. So if you're here tonight and you're saying, Chan, I, I want to see blessed, flourishing relationships in my life. Can I encourage you? You're going to have to choose to be unified with some people. And that can get really tricky because unity is an agreement. You can be in disagreement with someone but be unified. I'm sure if, if I was to open up the front door of my home and you'd come and see my wife and I, we can have some disagreements if any married people can relate, right? We'll have some different disagreements, but we're still completely unified. We're in complete union under God because it's just a difference of opinion, but unity is a choice which commands a blessing. What I love about this passage is it doesn't say you may receive a blessing. The Bible's not saying you could, maybe, it, no, no, it, it's actually command of God. It's a biblical principle, a spiritual truth for our lives. So when I read this, all of a sudden I think, oh my goodness, 
who am I choosing to unify with? Or who am I maybe unintentionally not even leaning into the spiritual principle of unity? It's actually a lot deeper than we realize. I want to encourage you tonight, cherish unity more than your opinion. Opinions are important, but if unity is a spiritual principle from the Lord to actually give blessing over your life and your relationships, your opinion's not that important compared to choosing unity. Another thing in our relationships that's a kingdom perspective is that we're actually called to love those that disagree with us. In John 13, verse 34, I love this passage. It says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, Jesus speaking, so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By what? The love we have for one another. Now, have you ever had that friend that says, hey, you really Christian? Like, I know you go to church and stuff. I don't know you identify as a Christian, but like, I don't know, I watch you. I like see your life. I see how you treat people. Ever, ever had those sort of moments you're like, I hope that my lifestyle matches up with my conviction. Um, when all of a sudden it's like, well, the preaching's probably not going to get them over the line in terms of faith. It's actually the love we have for one another that does all the preaching. Like Pastor Carolina said, when, when someone comes into our doors and they, they come in, we don't want them just to come. Maybe you're here tonight. We, we don't want you to be a stranger. We want you to know this is a house that you can come, that you're valued, you're accepted, that you're going to be loved, that we actually know that you are made in God's image. So you're a masterpiece. We're actually so honored you're in our house tonight. It's actually a privilege to have you in our house tonight. So we don't want you to go out and be a stranger. We, we want you to get you a drink, but that's not just for drink reasons. It's because we want time to get to know you. We want the privilege to actually have a conversation with you because your greatness in our uh, opinion, because that's the way the Lord sees you. So therefore, that's how we as disciples of followers of Christ also see you. So when we're talking about trying to get anyone got like a family member or maybe a um, friend or someone in your community that you're trying to, you're, you're praying and believing for the Lord to bring them to faith. There's only so much Leviticus I can keep preaching to my next door neighbor. But if he sees the way that I honor my children, if he sees the way that I serve my wife and honor my wife, if he, if he was to come into a church community and see just like Pastor Carolina said, where he, they come in and they go, what is this joy that's actually genuine? What's this love for one another that seems really sacrificial, but not even a big deal? It's like oozing out of these people. And they're not just smart. You know, those people say, hey, how you going? You're really good. Had a good week. Oh, such a great week. Anything bad happened? Never. Not in my household. We just love the Lord. See you, John. Have a great week. See you next Sunday. And then they get in the car and they're like abusive. Like you're like, I see you like yelling at your kids. Like what's going on? Um, you know, that's not the sort of community we're building here. We're, com we're, we're building here a community of Christ followers that live in love for one another, that actually see people through the filter and the perspective that Christ sees someone. So all of a sudden when we're having a conversation, we can't help to actually get to know one another because we've got this deep love that you cannot explain. It's nothing you can formulate. It's literally Christ in us saying there's something amazing about this human and I get to have a conversation with them. What a privilege. What a privilege I get to communicate with someone that's maybe a different race, maybe a different age, maybe a different background, maybe a different sense of humor. All of a sudden it becomes really irrelevant when you have a kingdom perspective of who you're communicating with because you believe in the power of unity and the power of loving one another. Our love for one another is your greatest weapon, church. There's only so much scripture or so much convincing I can try to do, but actually the way that I choose to surrender my life, life and actually love one another, that's actually going to prove that we're Christ's disciples. That's actually such an honor. For, can we just pause for a moment? That's such an honor that the Lord would say, by the love you have for one another, will prove that you are my disciples. Holy moly. 
church, can I encourage you? We've got to get good at loving. We've we got to get good at actually like true sacrificial love, that we would wash the feet of people that do not agree with our opinions, that we would love someone regardless whether they have the same view of us as, as us in the current climate that we're in right now, that we would not avoid them, but rather we'd say, I can't wait to have lunch with that person that I know has completely opposite views to me because of my great love for them. And, it, and, and this, is, this is the hard thing. It's, it's actually impossible without God. That's the cool thing. It's only God in you and I that can do that. You, I can't tell myself, Chatham, become really loving. Uh, be really, like, not judgmental anymore and value everything. You know, that's impossible. It's only God and me saying, God, break me. Break my views. Break my filters. Break my secular thinking. I want to completely surrender to your Lordship. And I want to see people through the image of God, the magnitude, the masterpiece that every human individual is. That's when we're going to start to see healthy relationships. My question to you tonight, how good are you? at loving someone that opposes your view? Are you able to serve and wash the feet of someone who has a different view in regards to vaccines, COVID, lockdowns, uh, racism, Black Lives Matters, protests they're against? All those views, regardless of those things, are we able to love people? Jesus is not honored when we win an argument but lose a relationship. It's not worth it, friends. Can I just encourage you? And hear my heart, I'm not saying tonight, don't have a voice, don't have an opinion. In fact, quite the opposite. It's important more than ever for the church to have a voice and have an opinion. So I'm not saying you can't have an opinion, but what I'm saying is, if you can't have an opinion but not love someone with an opposing opinion, something's wrong. If I, I don't believe in the act of abortion, but I have a neighbor who does, and I can't still serve them and love them, invite them into my house for dinner, something's wrong. My role as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a representation, and we are the remnant of Christ, the representation of Christ in 2021, we've got to get good at getting our hands dirty, church. We've got to get good at getting out of these four walls, opening our homes to people that maybe do not have a viewpoint that we have. I'm going to repeat this again. Jesus is not honored when we win an argument, but we lose a relationship. Another thing that I think is really valuable for us to have healthy, thriving relationships is reminding ourselves that humility and repentance is not a weakness. It's actually essential in healthy relationships. This passage, I've been in this passage for about a year now, um, even with the creative team. Um, a couple of months ago, we were talking over this passage together. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 7. A lot of us may know this. Um, I'm going to skip to kind of the end of this part, but it says here, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sin and then I will heal their land. Now our land, would we agree, needs a lot of healing church. Okay, and so here is the Lord teaching Solomon. I'm actually just gonna give you a bit of a background for two minutes, is that okay? Stay with me, because it's actually gonna bring this scripture to life. So Solomon has built this beautiful temple and um, he's built this, this amazing temple, he sends his ushers from Jerusalem to bring the Ark of the Lord's Covenant into the middle. And as they step back and they start to sing, um, your love endures forever, all of a sudden the Lord appears in the tabernacle and um, he appears as a great cloud. And it says in the scriptures, uh, if you read chapters one to chapter seven, I actually encourage you to read this this week if you can. It's an amazing passage where Solomon is 
desiring for the Lord to move as they, they put the burnt sacrifices out as an offering unto the Lord of worship. And so the Lord actually appears as a great cloud. And so all the people will get on their faces, on their knees, just crying out to God. It's basically a great Sunday night at City Point Redcliffe, right? It's basically a move of God. And it's like, we're not here to just play church and sing some kumbayas. We're actually here to meet with the Lord, right? And so that's what happens. And the Lord meets with these. He says, great, if, if you're actually willing to humble yourself, well, I'm going to meet with you. And he appears in this great cloud. Um, and this is maybe a bit of a sneaky cue for Jared and the team. You can come in a moment um, because we're expecting the Lord to move. And... Um, Anyway, it says in the scriptures, you read it um, tonight, it says that they didn't even know how to continue on with the service because of the magnitude of the glory of the Lord in the place. So they're almost like, it's like me going, oh my goodness, what's next? Uh, is there city vision? Is there an offering? Have we done that? Oh, I don't even know have, where to go to, right? And so Solomon prays as he finishes praying, then the Lord moves again in another physical way and fire comes from heaven and actually burns through the um, tabernacle. And now it says in the scriptures that not only the people in the building, you and I, actually the people outside of the building saw the glory of the Lord from heaven to the church, right? And so all of a sudden we've got this, like, I'd call that a good Sunday. That's a, that's a good Monday debrief. It was like, how was church yesterday? Pretty good. Uh, he rocked up in a cloud. He rocked up with fire. Like, there's no denying God was in the place. But this is what's amazing. Then Solomon praying, third miracle, the Lord appears to Solomon, which is another great day, appears to him and says these words we just read, and what's amazing to me is that Solomon's just had this amazing move of God, yet the Lord says to Solomon, you know what? But if my people, Solomon, like Solomon's like, Lord, thank you for meeting with us. That was remarkable. Like you've transformed our lives. And he says, yeah, well, if my people would actually humble themselves, if my people would pray, if my people would seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll actually hear from heaven. Then I'll forgive your sin and then I'll heal your land. That's, that's challenging. I'm like, oh, that wasn't hearing from heaven, like the fire and the glory cloud, that, that was pretty significant. He's like, no, 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 imagine though if my people, if the Israelites would actually humble themselves. Imagine if they'd pray. Imagine if they would seek my face and turn from their wickedness. Then I will hear from heaven, then I'll forgive your sin, and then I will heal your land. Can I encourage you tonight, friends, church, that humility is a key ingredient for us as believers if we want to see a move of God in our midst, in our nation. Pride is the antonym of humility. With pride, you have no understanding or really realizing you need to actually repent. But I would say that, I would say there's a, a move right now, I believe globally, where it's like a, a wave of revival taking place in hearts and, and cities. And even, not even just the church corporately, but even as us as believers, the, the body of Christ, there's this revival of repentance taking place in hearts, where people are coming once again on their knees before God, crying out to a savior but i would also say that the key ingredient for revival is repentance so if we're going to be a church that's going to see our city changed if we're going to change the culture of this part of our nation then it starts on our knees in repentance if we want to see healthy relationships that we would exemplify the kingdom of god in our relationship you know how it starts it starts with repentance and humility i know for me i want to be someone that when i'm having a conversation with a friend or a colleague that maybe ever been ever had a rough day anyone have a some like yeah <laughs> today yeah <laughs> maybe but um but ever had those moments where you actually respond out of a way that wasn't actually christ-like and you're like that was my flesh have you ever thought to go back to that person the day after and say hey you know that conversation we had yesterday i just want to apologize for the way i spoke to you that was so inappropriate of me because you're so valuable like 
you're made in the image of Christ himself. I was so privileged that I got to talk with you, but I felt like I kind of responded out of like tiredness because I'm sleep deprived and I've got a 12 week old. Or I feel like I just responded out of a a filter of judgment or a filter of um, misunderstanding who you, where you're coming from. I just want to say I'm really sorry. Can we just, I don't know, I just want to almost repent and just apologize because I really value your friendship. Do you know those conversations? It's almost like they shouldn't even be a rare thing. We as the church, this should be a common conversation when we're like, hey, I'm so sorry for that thing that happened two weeks ago. That's so inappropriate of me. And I, you're so valuable. You don't, you don't deserve to be spoken like that. Do you know what that, you know the unity that can bring, that convo, that quick conversation of just humility and repentance to one another? That's actually serving one another in love. That's actually when, if we look, if we go back in the scripture, that's when Jesus says, oh, the world will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. It's actually these really simple decisions day to day to say, Lord, please break my heart for things that breaks yours. Please humble me, God, at the foot of the cross that I would know that without you, I am nothing but with you. By the goodness of God, I'm now somehow the righteousness of God. Like that's a miracle that we get to, we actually get to walk in likeness with the Lord God Almighty, that actually doesn't see you and I as sinners anymore. He sees you as righteousness, as whole. He sees you as a man and son of God. Sometimes I know I wake up, sometimes I'm like, God, I hope I'm, I hope I'm on the right journey. I'm trying my best here. I'm reading your Bible. I'm praying for my household, my family. I'm madly in love with you. But yeah, I just, I just want to know I'm in, in right step with you. Holy Spirit, I want to be in step with you day to day. Not even, not in the major things, in the day-to-day little things. I want you to humble me. If I have any ounce of pride, I have the same prayer of David. Would you humble me? Would you bring me back to the core root of my salvation, the deep love of my salvation, that I may love people around me without being someone that quickly bites or someone that quickly says, you can't have that view. Or no, no, that's incorrect perspective, you know, but rather, Holy Spirit, would you lead me, guide my conversations, guide my mind, that I might have the mind and the thoughts of Christ. Thank you, Prince of Peace, that in every situation, I don't have to react out of anxiousness or malice, but in fact, I walk every day with the peace of God inside my heart. And you know, just before coming tonight, these last couple of weeks, when praying to the Lord about what what to speak into, because to be honest, Elephant in the Room is a really fun theme. I'm like, you, we could talk about anything. So I was like, God, let's go there. Where are we going? What do you want to say to our family, City Point in Redcliffe? And I really felt like he just prompted and said straight away to me, speak about healthy relationships in a crisis. Because the Lord's actually created us for relationship. Obviously one with him, but with each other. And it's something that we need to get really, really good at. Because if this is actually the way that we conduct ourselves and actually love each other, is actually going to help people see the reality of Jesus Christ and say, you know what, that whole God thing's not a fairy tale. I believe in this thing called Jesus Christ because I'm seeing His remnant, His people, actually being disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, and they actually are transformed. They're not just good people with behavior modification trying to do the right thing. They're actually were really messy, but now they've actually come really, really good. But it must only be God. There's no way that this guy over here and this girl here from totally different socioeconomic backgrounds, race, color, money in the bank account, their lack of, it's irrelevant. Their love for one another is so pure, it must be God. It makes no sense for different people groups to hang out. And this is what I love, like we prayed tonight on earth as it is in heaven. Can I encourage you in heaven, there's gonna be a lot of different things going on. There's gonna be a lot of different people groups going on. And so if we're gonna get really good at loving one another and surrounding the throne singing, holy, holy is the Lord for the rest of our lives, why not get really good at it now on earth? 
Why not actually live the kingdom of God right here on earth? 